Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens. Pastor Murphy is unfortunately not able to be here for the program tonight, but we have two very capable guests in the studio with me. This evening we'll be discussing Jah and the Rastafarian movement. To discuss this topic, I can think of no one better to consult with than my two guests. Both were involved in the Rastafarian movement. Joining me for this episode of That's Truth is Brother Augustine Erskine and Pastor Jerome Martin. Brother Erskine is on staff here at the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse and has been for 33 years. Pastor Martin is one of our Caribbean broadcasters here on CRL, and he is the pastor of Maranatha Baptist Church in Jennings, Antigua. Gentlemen, welcome to That's Truth, and thanks for coming in to share with us. Thank you for having us. Do you know of someone who is really intrigued by the Rasta way of life or the movement? Let me encourage you to reach out to them, whatever that means, whether that's by calling them or messaging them, so that you can encourage them to join us tonight. I know you probably have questions also on this topic, and we look forward to interacting with you. Gentlemen, I'd like to start out our topic this evening with your testimonies so that each of us understand what the Lord has brought you from, the experiences that you've had, and why you are credible sources on this topic that we're discussing, that of Rastafarianism. Pastor Martin, can you share with us where you grew up and uh, about the family that you grew up in? All right. Thank you so much, Brother Nathan. I am from Crab Hill Village, small village just in the south of the island. And I grew up in a, with my grandparents. Okay. Never with my father or my mother. Actually, my father and mother, they were not married. So I grew up with my grandparents. What was the spiritual climate of the house? I think like most people in the village, we were Anglican, okay. very religious. Everyone used to go to church and so on. So um, we grew up around religion, uh, the Bible and so on. What about you, Brother Erskine? I am also from the village of Crab Hill, and I grew up in family with my father and mother, and we were very religious. Sometimes I would say I was blessed in Adventist, confirming Anglican, and 
journeyed at a, as a Rasta, and now I am a born-again believer in Christ. Yeah. Quite a journey that the Lord has brought you on. Now, growing up, were the two of you acquainted with each other? Were you arch enemies? Were you best friends? We were neighbors. Neighbors, okay. <laughs> we were neighbors. Grew up together. So does that mean enemies or friends? <laughs> we are friends. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Our animals, you know, we grew up together taking care of animals. At When you were growing up, did you have any family members that were a part of the Rasta movement? No. In reality, I think we were the first from that village what, to be Rastas. What was it that attracted each of you? Uh, Brother Erskine, why don't you go first? What was it that attracted you to the Rasta lifestyle? Well, my first experience with um, Rastas was when I was maybe about 13, 12 or so about, and I saw these men with, you know, long robes and their locks, and they had their Bible and with like a rod in their hands, and they came through the village, and they were, you know, talking about the Bible and Rasta, and so on. So I was very impressed with them at that time. But what... um drew me to the raster is when I started smoking the marijuana and listening to conscious reggae music and joined a group of um, the other guys in the village who was um, raster and, and smoking the marijuana. Brother, uh, Pastor Martin, can you put your finger on one particular thing that drew you to the the Rasta movement? I think probably the music. You know, you start out with the smoking and the music, the conscious music. What would you say do you wish had been shared with you in those early years as you were becoming intrigued by the Rasta movement? What do you wish had been shared with you now that we're a few decades later? I think that's very hard to say because to some extent, I think the Rasta experience prepared me for where into Christianity. So it would have been very hard to say okay. uh, to some uh, extent. Yeah, I appreciate that answer. Very mm -hmm. honest, and uh, the Lord brings us through different things, shapes us. Mm -hmm. Each of us have a different journey. Brother Erskine, what would you say, or any words of wisdom that you wish had been said to you at that 12, 13, 15 years old, 17 years old? Actually, when I first... Um, get in contact with the Rastas at that age. I wasn't really drawn into the movement. It was probably when I was in my 20s, after I finished school, I joined in the Rasta um, movement. And as Pastor Martin said, it was that experience through which the Lord um, used to get us to maybe start, start to think a more serious look at the Bible. And so, probably I didn't have any regrets, you know, 
because I went through that journey as a raster and God used those incidents to bring us to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So would it be correct to say that the two of you were joining the Rasta movement in order to draw closer to God, not as an excuse to smoke marijuana, not as an excuse to uh, rebel against authority, but in a spiritual journey trying to find the truth? I think I think that would summarize to some extent, you know, when we got into the Rasta movement. It was a journey, a spiritual journey, especially after we got deeper into it. We, f- we honestly felt that this was the right way. Now, I've heard some people say that some Rastas are just living the Rasta lifestyle. They're not really involved in the religion. And then others are very devout. And I guess the same could be said for Christians. There are some who claim to be Christians, but they really don't know what the Bible says. They don't know what the Christian faith stands for. How would you describe yourselves? Were you just living the Rasta lifestyle or were you religious? Yeah, very religious. Very religious to the point that other Rastas who visited us, because we were living in the hills in Darkwood. Okay. So other Rasta visited us, and they were they making statement like you guys acting like Christians or behaving like Christians because we would we never use Hail Selassie. We used to use Jah, but not Hail Selassie. You know, so we were being accused of acting like Christians because you were holding. I guess would it be safe to say that you were holding truer to the Bible than they yes, were? Yes, okay. we we really believe the Bible to some extent. You know, you know, probably because um, we were living kind of an isolated life, a time. Some of these rasters, they were saying they were still in society, and so they were still wrapped up in some of the lifestyle of um, society, and so. But we were kind of separated, and in the hills in our gardens looking about our animals and so so we spend much time in nature meditating reading the bible smoking our marijuana and so so we were kind of um isolated tell me about a typical day in that time of your lives uh you mentioned you were working in the garden uh you'd get up in the morning what would a typical day look like well, for me, I was still, um, I was employed okay. as an electrician, and probably at the time I was working at the Antigua Sugar Factory, but I used to get up early, and before I would take the bus, I would get my uh, spliff, and I would just go in the bus and just meditate and just cool it off and did my work, and then uh, in the afternoons, I would go into the fields so forth. for me um, we were in the bo- the hills so we would get up smoke marijuana do some cooking to some extent look for the animals come back home spend a lot of time well go to the hills water the marijuana um, read psalms over them and more in the afternoon we do some work in the garden and so on you said read psalms over your marijuana? Yeah, we read different psalms and so okay. on. Okay. You know, so. 
over the plants themselves or o- while you were over the plants okay. you know we read some and by ourselves too we discuss especially in the afternoon we'll look at the skies and say we're watching the movies <laughs> look at the different clouds okay uh, just see formation so a very laid back lifestyle. very laid back very laid back brother Erskine when you became a Christian were there things that you lost were there friendships people that rejected you because of your choice to follow Christ and to separate from the Rasta lifestyle yes you know when you become a, a child of God sometimes you don't have to tell people that you're Christians as they see the life that you live is just like well we can't be together anymore because they're living a different um, style of life and I'm living a different style of life so even some of the friends that we had in the Rasta well they were not really um, had locks and so forth but after we got saved we just seemed like we had separated we were still friends but that closeness and comradians it wasn't there every guys like they went their own way when we got saved so based on what you just said you're saying that Christianity and the Rastafarian worldview those two are mutually exclusive you cannot combine the two can't combine the two okay all right. Wanted to establish that from the beginning. And to some extent, when we got saved, um, even the lifestyle, you know, the dressing. I, I used to wear a lot of big shirt, Bob Marley and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, just look dead still, yeah. even though I had gotten saved. And the Lord just spoke to me about that because I'm portray- I was still portraying the Rastaman image. And that is a problem when people say that they're saved and still want to use the locks. Because mm-hmm. the locks is an identification of who you are, you know. And if you really want to be different, you need to cut straight, you know. I know the locks doesn't save you, right? But it gives a picture to anyone who sees you that you identify with the Rasta. Pastor, what was it that God used to get your attention and to take you from a very devout Rasta to a born again believer? I think I could Id- identify with Paul to some extent when he said what he did, he did it in ignorance. We were really committed to the Rasta, really thought it was the right way. Um, Brother Erskine mentioned about the conscious reggae music, and some of these guys like Culture, this is a group from Jamaica, was singing like a, a chapter, and, and Jacob Miller, chapter, they keeps the devil away, just some scripture verses in their songs. And we held these guys in really high esteem. We thought they were real prophet of Rastas. So one carnival, the group culture came to Antigua. I think it was 80 or 81. 80, 80 somewhere around uh, Yeah, I came to, uh, I was performing in recreation ground. Okay. Remember, when we, when we got, when we became Rastas, we went into the hills to separate ourselves from Babylon, the culture, the system. Okay. So we more isolated. So when they came, we decided to go to Carnival, that 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 show, to see these guys because we held them in high esteem. 
And I think that's what the Lord really used to discourage us and dis- just show us that Rasta can't be the right way. I hear these guys who are singing these quote-unquote righteous songs, and they were behaving so vulgar. Hmm. Um, and let me say, that can't be a Rasta. Rasta is righteousness, <laughs> you know. And it, we were so discouraged. And we were just really I, I just couldn't that was the beginning the ending of the beginning of, and and we just decided that's it we began to seek the truth and said God if you just show us the right way show us the right church and all these things we will do what is right how did the Lord keep walking us through yeah. the process of you getting I, I, saved and then um I remember one Saturday, well, Friday afternoon, most of the guys went to Bendel, I think, or Buckley's. Buckley's. Okay. And I was alone. I think I, I think you slept. I, I wasn't too sure. But I was alone, and I felt a serious pain. Went to town, spoke to my mother, and told her I'm not feeling well. At that time... Um, people were having belly problems, vomiting and so on. So she said, maybe that's the cause. So I went to see Dr. Babu, an Indian doctor. And he said the same thing. By the afternoon, I began vomiting. Hmm. And they had to rush me to the hospital, rush me under the operation room. Um, and I was operated for um, appendix. Okay. Um, so while I was in the hospital, because of my diet, I wasn't eating the food. And the first week, gas filled me, and I really thought I was going to die. Just as a result of the pain? Of the pain. I couldn't get up off the bed. Even when they whined the bed, I would scream. Mm. And I prayed and said, um, I, I don't know if I said God or Jah, but if you will help me to get out of this place, I would never smoke again. And about one week after, early in the morning, I just sensed in my spirit, that my prayers were answered. And I got up and walked. You know, after a whole week on the bed, I got up and walked. So what what was it? Let me interrupt you for just a minute. You said that you would never smoke again. <laughs> was there something inherently in you that I, said I, that smoking was wrong? I, I think so. I think so. I never said I would get saved or anything. Yeah. I just said I was I would never smoke again. You know, sometimes and People do that. They yeah. said, I will put away this sin or I'll stop doing this. Right. You know, you think that doing certain things is the reason why, but it's trusting Jesus Christ is the most important thing. So I said, I would never smoke again. And then I came out of the hospital. And at that time, those guys were still in the hills doing the guy. And I stayed home maybe about for a week or so. And when I went to visit those guys, about that same time, they reaped a lot of the marijuana. And I remember I worked so hard so hard I I have to use some of this so I took up a paper bag probably about a two pound paper bag took it home I was still back and forth by my grandparents and every time I was about to smoke it it seemed like there's a voice said remember your promise hmm. remember your promise and I just give it away never smoke again and then I began listening to Radio Lighters while I was in the hospital I began listening to Radio Lighters at that time, they have Radio Paradise and Radio Lighters. Radio Paradise, as Rasta, we used to dance to the music. Lighters music was totally different. It caused you to think and seriously. Um, so 
I began listening to the radio station. When I visited those guys, they we all would listen to the radio station, Radio Lighthouse. And then one day we said, oh, yeah. we heard Pastor Archibald, Daily Light program, we said, I can't believe this man is from Antigua. We need to write him and tell him that we're Rastas living in the hills. At that time, I was fully, I was strong again, living back in the hills with the guys. We wrote him. I think Brother Erskine wrote the letter, told him that we're Rastas living in the hills, but our parents are in the village, and we'd like to know more about um, the church and so on. And they came and left the invitation. And when we went to visit our families, we got the invitation, and we decided to go to church. They had Bible study on the Monday, and they used to do the do this Bible study at Fort Road by the Waits, where they used to live, by the Kentucky there. Okay. Wednesday they have um, prayer meeting. Thursday used to be a youth meeting. So we decided we were going to go and visit with our locks that Monday. But then a lot of rain came. And it was three of us at that time who had locks, and we decided to go home without any discussion. And that night, I had a serious struggle with my dreadlocks. <laughs> we all cut our dreadlocks without discussing it. This is before you ever went to church? Before we ever went to church. And then the Sunday, we went to church. No, the Wednesday, November the 11th, 1981, we went to church. We, we were there so early in Jennings, waiting for the people. And then the Lord began to work from there. The Sunday night, November the 15th, 1981, where we went the Sunday morning, and back the Sunday night, we went forward, the three of us, and gave our heart to the Lord. Amen. Nobody came a witness to God just deal with our heart because he, he saw that we were really serious and honest about the, seeking the truth. Brother Erskine, anything you want to add from your perspective that the Lord was working in your life or in your mind during that time period? Well, for me, as I said before, I was working at the sugar factory. And there was a pastor of the New Testament church. And he used to witness to me. He said, young man, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. You need to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, sometimes the words used to hit me. But I used to, you know, reason with him about the Bible and so forth. So I used to have a good relationship with him. And, and he used to say, young man, like a son, and so on. So we used to discuss the Bible. And he said, you know the Bible, your knowledge of the Bible, but you need to get saved. You need to get saved. And there was another young lady in the village too, from a Pentecostal background. And I used to go sometimes in the night and reason with her. And we used to talk about the, the, the Word of God and so And... One time, she mentioned to me, because I, she, I was talking like I was saved, and she said, oh, you're going to um, say you're a righteous man and, and you're smoking marijuana. And like something hit me in my chest, smoking. And that was the time I made a decision that I was not going to smoke anymore um, marijuana again. And it was a struggle, but... I saw Pastor Martin, well, Kimba at that time, before Pastor Martin, yeah. he weren't smoking any uh, marijuana all the time. I 
and I, I, I noticed he was still among us and there was just something different. It seemed like the, the Lord was working in his life. And so all the time the Lord seemed like he was gradually working among us because we were discussing the life that we are living and certain scriptures. I could remember there's a passage of scripture there in First Corinthians chapter 11. We talk about, is it a shame for a man to have long hair? So we were discussing all those... Um, you were discussing that while you had your locks? Yeah. yeah. So some of those um, incidents there, the Lord used to like speak to us until um, we wrote to Pastor Archibald and went to church. As, as Pastor Martin said, that sun, Sunday morning, we went to uh, Maranatha, heard the gospel. And I said, look, I am not going back to that church that night, um, tonight and don't give my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. We went back the night, heard the gospel, and I can't tell you up to this day what was the message. But when the invitation was given, I went forward. And I wasn't looking around to see who was there or not. Mm. I went forward. And when I looked to my left, I think I saw Pastor Martin. And when I looked to my right, I saw Vanya, who got saved with us. And Pastor Archibald asked me, what the reason I come forward? I said, I want to give my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Amen. He asked me, you can pray? I said, yes. Well, he said, just open your, your heart to the Lord and tell him just what you want to tell him. And I prayed and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my heart that night. And I knew when I got up, I felt light. It felt like a burden lift off of my shoulders. And the idea come to, came to me that I never knew that sin was so heavy. Mm-hmm. I was carrying that load of sin. Mm-hmm. But that day, the Lord Jesus Christ lift that burden of sin. That's why he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. I was going to add here, the scripture verse that really got my attention that I shared with the other guys was First Timothy chapter 4. And he said, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirit and doctrines of demons. This is a phrase, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat, which God had prepared for those who receive it with thanksgiving. One of the, the tenets or teachings that we be- believe, Rasta don't eat meat and Rasta don't get married. Hmm. You just take a woman for your wife. You know, and when we saw that passage that went exactly against what we believe, um, don't eat meat, don't marry. I still don't eat meat today, but that has nothing to do with Rasta. But the whole point here, it just struck me. And we shared that with the guys. I said, wow, that's against what we are holding to. Scripture is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That was the big lid right there. You're listening to That's Truth, and you may have just tuned in and said, wait a minute, I don't hear Pastor Murphy's voice. You're right. Pastor Murphy is not able to be here for the program this evening, but we have Pastor Jerome Martin and Brother Erskine, both familiar voices here on the Radio Lighthouse. 
and they are discussing the Rastafarian movement. And I know you probably have questions about the movement that you would like to ask them. So let me encourage you, you can either call and be put live on the air. And the phone number to do that is 268-462-7420. I'll give that to you again. Get your phone unlocked and get ready to dial it. To be put live on the air and ask a question, 268-462-7420. Or you can send a question via WhatsApp or text message, and that can be sent to the number 268-782-1454. Again, WhatsApp or text, 268 268- Seven eight two one four five four. Speaking of WhatsApp messages, we have a question that has come in from a listener in Antigua. Thank you for sending it in. Do you think that the Rastafarian religion serves the one true God? And if not, who are they really worshiping? And then a follow-up question to that. I guess there's three questions. Who is Haley Selassie to them? I'll let the two of you decide who wants to answer that i really don't think the rasta is serving the one true god because they clearly well quote and unquote i may say those who consider themselves as true rastas are hail selassie or highly selassie is their god and they said that he's a more like a reincarnation of jesus christ or he's a second you know it's like the the muhammad um, the Muslim, they say Muhammad is the manifestation, you know, mm-hmm. of God. Abu Hai said the same thing. Same philosophy as Rasta. They believe that Hail Ali Selassie is that manifestation. So they're not serving the true God. It's interesting that you made that connection to other religions. Are there pieces of other religions that are found within the the Rasta movement within the religious belief? Um, let me just say this, uh, as I need to, to some, is a is a religious movement um, that is not highly organized. Um, it is a movement, an ideology, and a way of life that began in Jamaica in the 1930s. It is a blend of Christianity, Hinduism, New Age, mysticism. Racism and Buddha, and wow. that the, all these things are mixed up right in, within the rest of it. That's a that's quite a combination. Yeah, and that's why it's so hard to pinpoint Rastas. <laughs> you have to really talk to them and see where they're going, what they're saying, and then go from there. So, if it's not highly organized, then would you find different Rasta men who are going to be do- viewing different things differently? Dif- definitely, that's right. Definitely. But they have some basic tenets anyway, you know. Okay. Uh, anything else? Or let me, You mentioned that Haley Selassie was, is viewed as their uh, reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Who was he for, on an earthly standpoint? Where did, where did he live? What time period? Haley Selassie was... Emperor of Ethiopia. Okay. And he ruled Ethiopia from 1930 to about 1974. And 
the Rastas claim that he stemmed from the Davidic line of um, King Solomon. Okay. And and so because he is in the Davidic line, he's also um, like in the same line of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they refer to him as the Black Messiah. Mm. Pastor, from your study, is that a true statement to say that you can draw a direct uh, genealogy line from Solomon and I believe it's the Queen of Sheba. Yeah, Queen of Sheba. Uh, down to uh, Haley Selassie. Is I, that I, I think is what Brother Erskine really summarized that, uh, you know, um, they believe that Solomon and the Queen of Sheba had a son, Menelik, okay. and from him all the way down, you know, this dynasty. And Hale, Haile Selassie was the last emperor of Ethiopia, black emperor of Ethiopia. Would you agree with that as a Christian? <laughs> I think there are a lot of discrepancy okay. in the story, for okay. sure. Um, with the story with Solomon, you know, we know that Solomon had a lot of wives and yeah. so on. Um, the scripture never really say that he did with the Queen of Sheba. Seemed like there might be some history, historical record, whether they were true or not, that makes statement like that. But from a biblical standpoint, there's no definitive. There's no definitive. Okay. And there are some who believe that there was a break in that line, but the Rastas them said it was continuous. Okay. Another question that has come in from a listener in Antigua Was it hard to make the switch from Rastafarian to Christianity? And how did your Rastafarian friends treat you? I think for, for for me, and I believe the other guys, it wasn't hard at all. As I said, the journey to Rasta prepared us for the Christian life because we thought it was the right way. We honestly believed that Rasta was just righteousness. And then when we our eyes were open and begin to see what the Scripture says and see the those that we consider as prophet, the life they were living, we realized it just, just can't be right. So when we when we eventually gave our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, it was a total commitment. There was no difficult. I had no problem, temptation to go back smoking. Before we were before we got saved, we made resolution to give up smoking because of some experiences we had. Mm. But we went right back into it. Mm. But the day we got saved, we had no intention, no interest. Well, for me personally in going back to that life get smoking or anything like that it was a it was a past life clean cut clean cut as first second Corinthians if any man be in Christ he's a new creature mm. old things are passed away behold all things become new and that's what happened to me personally now would you say that some believers whether they're coming out of the Rasta movement or uh, just going from unbeliever to believer is it not true that there are some that still will struggle oh, with yes. some of those previous? Yes. So yes. just because someone's listening and says, I didn't have all those temptations leave me the moment I was saved, am I really saved? Is that a legitimate No, that there are some genuine people who struggle with okay. your sin in their lives, mm -hmm. you know, whatever sin that might be. But if they're really saved, the Bible says old things, sometimes it's gradual. 
takes a long time for some, but there will be changes. Okay. If I may add to that, the struggle that I had and probably um, maybe Vanya too is it was like how people is going to view you. You know, taking off your locks. And you used to be so serious with the raster. And, and you started to think what people, how people are going to think about you. And so, so that was the struggle to get rid of, of your, um, your naughty dread. And, but when you come to that point that you need to get saved, the action was clear. As Pastor Martin said, we never discussed it. It's just like, bam, the same night, all three of us did some barbering on ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and we were kind of a surprise when we saw each other that, that Sunday was morning. That going to be my question. We were kind of surprised <laughs> to see each other. Yeah. Can't believe wh what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was that maybe initial struggle, how people are going to view, how the other rasters, go, what they're going to say. And thing that, and so, so that was the only struggle. If you have a question for Pastor Martin or Brother Erskine in relation to the Rasta movement, we would be glad for you to ask it. You can call and be put live on the air by calling 268 462 7420. There's two other ways that you can send your question. You can either WhatsApp or text it to this number 268 782 1454. Or if you are watching on Facebook Live, thank you for joining us through that medium. And you can just comment a question and it will be passed along and we will ask it on the air. Thank you again for joining us this evening. For each of you that have tuned in and are listening to That's Truth, let's take just a few minutes and focus on the Rastafarian history, the history of the movement. Pastor, I believe you mentioned in the 1930s it got started in Jamaica. Anything else you would like to add to that? I think um, there was some. There were two major circumstances that seemed to have proved conducive to the conditions that establish a fertile ground for more like the incubation of Rastafarianism in Jamaica before Marcus Garvey. And that was the, the history of resistance exemplified by the Maroons. That's a people group? The, these were community of escaped slaves. Okay. Um, they, they kept a pure African musical traditions alive and especially in the interior of Jamaica. And they were considered contributing factors to the foundation of Rastafarians. So that was the group, the the Maroons, and they were fierce, you know. And people believe that's why the Jamaicans are a bit <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and then the forming of the Afrocentric European worldview um, that spread religious movement, especially by the the Bedwardians in the 1890s to the 1920s. This, this was a group of people. Uh, actually, they were considered Baptists. 
but they emphasize spiritual black spiritual Baptists. Oh, okay. Would that be the same like when I visited St. Vincent, I heard of spiritual? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's some connection. Okay, right. As I said, Rasta is a combination of voodoo and the spiritual Baptists. They have a lot of that in it. Interesting. You know, so this was a, these were the two factors that really were like the incubation. You use the phrase Afrocentric. What do you mean by that? I think it's a focus on Africa. Okay. The history, the culture, you know, of Africa, that the thinking that Africa was predominantly in charge of the world, especially the development. And there are a lot of information out there talk about black men who mm-hmm. was the first um, doctor in Egypt and all these things. So it's like a consciousness of the black history and this culture. Going back to your roots? Yes, going back to the roots. From the historical standpoint, you mentioned Marcus Garvey. Who, who is that and what was his role in the foundation or the starting of the movement? Well, the Rasta referred to uh, Marcus Garvey as, their, as a, one of their prophets. He was a Jamaican, but seemed like he was a naturalized American. Citizen. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And Garvey was the one who, like, he made some prophecies concerning a black king who would sit on the throne in um, Ethiopia. Ethiopia. And when Hail Selassie was crowned emperor of Ethiopia, people believed that that was a fulfillment of okay. his prophecy. He um, made a statement, a prophetic statement. The, the Rasta said, Look to Africa, where a black king shall be crowned, for the day of deliverance is near. And so... That was the thing that really get the Rasta really, really on the move, so to speak. So Hilsalas, um Marcus Garvey, he was like a Pan-African um, nationalist who tried to organize um, black nationalist movement in America. And he got a great following. I think he was the one who was organizing what they call the Black Starliner, like a ship, ship to take black people to, to Africa. In conjunction with what you're sharing there, just have a question that came in from Liberta Antigua. Did Selassie ever claim to be God? No. no. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he was a professing Christian. Okay. He was a professing Christian. And well, said, how did we get to this this end goal here, or this? How did we end up where we are now? As Hail Selassie yeah. is God. If he was a, a professing Christian, how did he get things get twisted? Well, the Rastas in Jamaica they um, lift him up to that position, but he denied that. Okay. And another question that came from a listener in Antigua. If Christians are using the same Bible as Rasta's, how do we interpret it so differently? That's a that's a good question. I'm looking forward to your answer. I think like any other religion, I guess you could say the same thing. 
why are all these religious movements if they all claiming to have the same Bible? I think in any languages, there are proper rules in interpretation. You know, um, the proper things that you have to follow in order to come to the right conclusion. And it seems like with most of these religions, they just violate these guidelines. Um, they, they believe a truth, and then they try to find a text to prove. But when you study the Bible as it is, if you really believe the Word of God, and you start from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that you need to establish with a Rasta man. Do you believe the Bible? And would they say they do? And if they say they do, then you have a common ground okay. for a conversation. If you don't believe the Bible, you, you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> so one of the first things, if we could establish, do you believe the Bible? As the Bible, the God's Word that we have here. Said yes, then you have a common ground. Then you can start from even Genesis. And said, the Bible clearly says in um, Acts 17 that there was one God who created the world, heaven and the earth. And because of man's rebellion, God had to judge man in Genesis chapter 6 there. Because of the wickedness of man, man turned away. And then God um, started with, with Noah and his three sons. And from Noah and his three sons, we get the three major groups. People like to say race, but there's only one race. Mm -hmm. There are three different groups Eth of people. Ethnicities. Uh, yes. You have the Shemites, the Japhites, and the Hamites. And from them, Genesis chapter 10 clearly tells us that all the peoples of the earth spread out. Yeah. Now, what you've gone through there in the book of Genesis, would that be accepted by a religious Rasta? Or have they already departed from Scripture at that point? It's, all, it's kind of hard to... It depends on who you talk to. Okay. It's hard to say. Because it's not a centralized right. it's not religion. A, yes, it, it, that they hold to. But as, as I say, different ones believe different things. But if you could establish the fact that you believe the Bible, then you can talk to them from that standpoint. and say, this is what the Bible says. Um, the Bible clearly tells us in Genesis chapter 10, it describes all the nations who came from Hamites, who came from the Shemites and the Japhetites, and what part of the world they kind of diverge into. And then in Genesis 11, where God had to separate um, the language through lang the nations because of their language, it was one language, one God, one nation under one God sp speaking one language. But because they were rebellion, um, it was Nimrod. And again, these were Rasta feel that black people were in charge. Because Nimrod was the first emperor. Okay. And he's Sahamites. And when you think about the development of the the nations, um, you know, it was I know the Bible says Cain built a city. But when you think about the really architectural development of all these things, the the the, the, pyramids, the pyramids of Africa, the pyramids of Africa, and all these things, and they building a tower, reach heaven, you know, Rasta look to that. So they will believe passages like that, and that's where you can move on and show that 
we all worship one God, but it's when God separates man with the living language, they divert and forget God. So God focusing on Shem to reveal himself to the rest of the nation. And that would be the Jews' line. So I've heard this uh, debated uh, multiple times here since I've been in Antigua. Are you saying then that the Jews, the true Jews, are not uh, blacks in Africa? I'm saying and that. And what, what is the significance? Maybe we need to take a step back. Yeah. Why, why is that debated from the Rastafarian standpoint so, so seriously? What, what, what's the thought rationale there? I think we know the two Jews were from Shem, Shemites, line. In my study, and I could understand from the Rasta perspective, when you check the scripture, whether Solomon and the Queen of Sheba had a child or not, but when you check the scripture, there were a lot of intermarriage between the Hamites and the Shemites. And you don't find that with the Shemites and the Jephites. Okay. You have Joseph, who married an Egyptian. Um, I forgot the name. You have Moses. Zippor, I think. Not Zippor. Well, yeah, Zippor was one. But um, um, oh, Moses. Jo- jo- Joseph, I'm talking. Joseph married the king of Egypt, gave Joseph a wife. Okay. And you have. Um, in Genesis chapter 11, I think, or Numbers chapter 11, when Moses married the Ethiopian and her brother and sister were against that. And you can go down to the Bible where you have a lot of intermarriage between the Hamites and the Shemites. So obviously there was an amalgamation of, and that's why you have especially the beta Jew, the black Jew that they found in Ethiopia, they Israel actually received them okay. as real Israelites, you know. But the real Jew from the Shemites, <laughs> they might be a, a combination of some black Jews because of intermarriage, right? You know? And for me, the real Jews are the descendants of, of Abraham. Abraham. Mm-hmm. Okay. When God called Abraham from uh, of the Chaldees and said, "I will make of you a great, great nation. nation," and so. Day in Genesis chapter 15, when God told Abraham that his seed will go into a, a nation that is into Egypt, and they will be there in bondage, and when the time is ripe, he will deliver them after 400 years. And these were the same people who God brought out of Egypt, delivered from the Egyptian bondage. And the Rasta sometimes refer to those folks that they were um, the black, black, black in Egypt. Okay, but we know that they were um, the descendant of Abraham, mm-hmm. and God had promised them the land. According to the Abrahamic covenant, it was the land and a seed, and so these are the people who are the true Jews. You know, Rasta, as they seem like they interpret the Bible, most of the things that 
I refer to the nation of Israel. Israel. They put it forward so as for Rasta or for the black, black race. What is the danger of doing that, Pastor? I think it creates a lot of confusion, you know, um, because it diverts from God, from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, <laughs> the seed of the woman. God's focus was always on the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, which is from the line of, you know, um, the seed of Abraham, mm-hmm. come all the way down. So there's a, a mix-up. And I, as I said, I could understand their thinking to some extent, but they kind of create a lot of confusion. If you can make that distinction, yes, they were mixture in the Jewish line, the Jews. Right you know, with intermarriage and so on. But the real Jew, as Brother Erskine says, is from Abraham's line. And to use those passages of Scripture and say that they were black people is, 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 is false. Are there any... I know you said that the Rastafarian movement is not a, is not a superstructure or organization or key doctrines, but are there some foundational beliefs that Rastafarians in general would claim? I know there was um, this rather book or pamphlet written by Leonard P. Powell. Um, he wrote the, the Promise Key. And in this was one of the first documentation to appear that label as truly Rastafari. And in 1930s, this Rastaman, Leonard Powell, provided Rastafarianism, six fundamental principles of Rastafarianism. And maybe they, they're not, probably not held to, mm-hmm. but this, these were the six things. Hatred for the white race, the complete superiority of the black race, Revenge on whites for their wickedness, the negation, persecution, and humiliation of the government and legal bodies of Jamaica, and preparation to go back to Africa. Um, he had these things written down in a document at Clay State. Yeah. That <laughs> the last one there was the acknowledging. Emperor Hail Selassie as the supreme, supreme being and, and only ruler of the black, black people. people. Yeah. So, so that would be a replacement s- of Jesus Christ. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those yeah. were the six um, principles Rastafarian Foundation. Now, when you were a Rasta, did you were you familiar with those? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, we 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 were familiar with the fact that Rasta Rastafarian or Rastafari men worship Hail Selassie mm. but we never believed that it was difficult for us to use the word Jesus though okay for and why, pers- is, why is that I don't know it was it was so easy to say Jah Jah Rastafari Jah but not Hail Selassie and not Jesus <laughs> Let, let's take a minute and talk about Jah what, where do they do they get that from the Bible is it a legitimate name for God and what should be our approach when having a discussion with a Rasta? Okay, um, Jah is the Rastafari name for God, right? 
Rastas Sija as being in the form of the Holy Trinity. Really? That is, God being the God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Rastas say that Ja, in the form of the Holy Spirit, lives within the human. And for this reason, they often refer to themselves as I and I. Um, the word Ja is found one time in the King James Bible, Psalm 68, verse 4. The word is actually a transliteration of the Hebrew word Yah, meaning that it was not translated. The letters are only converted into the letters of the translated language. The Hebrew word for Jah, or Yah, occurs 52 times in the Old Testament and is normally translated Lord. So, um, if the King James had <laughs> some of these words, Jah, we would see more of that term. Okay. Jah. Um, so, the, 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 the foundational verse for Rastafarianism is also Psalm 68, verse 31. Rastas claim this verse as the proof that Hail Selassie, Emperor of Ethiopia, is God Almighty and not Jesus. I want to read that verse real quick because I'm not familiar with it. Psalm 68, verse 31 says, Princes shall come out of Egypt... Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands unto God. Yeah, well, they, they said that this is referring to, you know, um, Ethiopia will be the leading nation and, and all these things. Okay. Is that legitimate, or what would be your response from your understanding of the Bible? I think there are some, some things that, especially in relation to some other verses, there were some Christian clergymen who claimed that Hail Selassie carnation as king of Ethiopia was evidence that he was the black messiah that believed. It was prophesied in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, verses 2 to 5, where think of, talk about king of um, kings. King of kings, lord of lords. The Lion of the Tribe yeah, of oh, Judah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also in um, Revelation nineteen sixteen, And I think Pastor Murphy, um, Martin was referring to Psalm 68, verse 31. Yes. And another verse that really they add with that. Mm. That Psalm 68, verse 31, referred the prominence of Ethiopia. But Psalm... A verse that they like to use that refers to Hail Selassie. Um, they said that Hail Selassie was, uh, we know that he was not the Christ, but Rastafarian argued that Psalm, if you want to find Psalm 87, verse 4 to 7, is a prophetic reference to Hail Selassie being born in Ethiopia as the Messiah. All right. Uh, Psalm 87, 4 to 7? Yes. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre and Ethiopia. This man was born there. And Zion of it shall be said, This and that man was born in her. And the highest himself shall establish her. 
verse 6, The Lord shall count them, the Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there, Selah. And verse 7, As well the singers as the players on the instruments shall be there, all my springs are in thee. So they're the, the, that, 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 that phrase, this man, you mentioned, you mentioned twice, was mm-hmm. born there. Remember I said Psalm 68, verse 31, yeah. mentioned the prominence of Ethiopia. Yeah. This prophecy now, 87. They said this is a reference to Hail Selassie. This man was born there. But Psalm 87 speaks, if you really study the context, it speaks of the love of the Lord for Zion, which is Jerusalem. He mentioned Zion. And its inhabit, inhabitants. inhabitants. However, the Lord also, this was David, inspired David to write about a day in which all would know the Lord and acknowledge him. That's what the, the psalm is talking about as such. The Lord then directs his attention to Rahab, which is Egypt, and Babylon, which is modern Iraq. He then says, he will also speak of them as being among those who will also know the Lord. And then the Lord refers to another group who would one day also know him. Felicia, that is southwest Palestine, Tyre, ancient um, Phoenicia, which is modern Syria and Lebanon. And then he mentioned Ethiopia. It will be it will not be Ethiopia alone, but they're saying is <laughs> this this passage is referring just to Ethiopia. But if you note, he mentioned um, Felicia and Tyre oh. and Ethiopia, <laughs> you know. And the whole point is that this and there's one day coming when all these nations group will know the Lord. The sentence this man was born there should be rendered. This one was born there. And as as you study the passage, it could mean that this one, each of the nation mentioned as being born in Zion, and they will come to know the Lord. Or it could refer to all of the nation being proud of their native country. So the whole point is a reference to the point that one day all these nations will come to know Jehovah. And bow down to him. And we know the Bible talks about that in Philippians. All knees shall bow to the Lord Jesus yeah. Christ, which point to him. So this man has nothing to do with um, Hail Selassie. So it's being taken out of context. Taken out of context. Okay. And that's what they do. They find proof verse to try and support what they believe. You're listening to That's Truth. And we have in the studio this evening two guests, uh, voices that are very familiar to the Radio Lighthouse. Brother Erskine and Pastor Martin. Pastor Martin is the pastor of Maranatha Baptist Church in Jennings Village, Antigua. I realize that we don't have time to cover everything this evening. We still have about 25 minutes left in the program. But if you would be interested in having a more detailed follow-up conversation with either of these men, who are both personally involved in the Rasta movement, if you contact us here at the Lighthouse, we can put you in touch with them. And I know they would be glad to answer your questions from Scripture. Uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and send them in or call in. The, the number to call is 
462-7420. And the number to WhatsApp or text is 268-782-1454. One other way that you can send your question is if you are watching on Facebook Live, you can send the question as a comment and we will get that to them. I want to transition to and spend the last 30 minutes of the program talking about how can I better witness to a Rasta? Are there things, what, what approach would you suggest, gentlemen, in building common ground with a Rasta and being able to witness to him? Well, I think each individual, you see them as, as a person and it's best for you to establish a friendly relationship with um, anyone, even a raster, whosoever. And when you have that kind of a friendly approach, don't be as scared. You have to know the scriptures mm -hmm. because these guys will wrap you up if you don't know the scripture as a child of God and trying to witness to them. But... Honestly, that can be a little intimidating because I know I don't know those passages as well as they do that they're going to use as their core go-to verses. So what word of encouragement would you give to me or to others who are listening uh, as far as I may never know those passages as well as they do? How do I proceed without trembling in my shoes? The, the thing is, from a, a biblical point of view, all men are sinners. Okay. And all need to come to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because the Bible said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to His mercy He saved us. And so, the Rasta movement is... Is a is a work self um, justification and before God works based religion. Yes. Okay. What would be some examples of some of those works? Well, you you, you live a clean life. Okay. You know, try to live a, a moral life, thing like that. But the Bible said all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So. You come to from the point of view that we are all sinners. If they and if they believe the Bible, they will accept that. And the other uh, approaches you could take, as um, Pastor Martin has a uh, um, document here, where you could come from a biblical point of view, and so you you come to common ground, especially like. Um, blacks in the Bible, the dark-skinned people, and so probably from that common ground, you could um, expand on that. I think that's a very critical way of talking to a Rastaman who's serious. Because growing up, I never have a picture that the Bible speaks about black people. Okay. Even the images that you see were always white. Yeah. You know? But when I personally started to understand the scripture. I realize that all peoples are in the Bible. <laughs> you know, and that's one of the approach if you can talk to 
a man who is black conscious or Rastafarian is to say what they were people from Hamites. And I like to say the Hamites instead of say black because they're different shades of the Hamites mm-hmm. people. Now, if you check Genesis, you see where the Hamites line. Ironically, even the Chinese, they feel were from the Hamites. When you check, the, there's a word in Genesis 10. I believe it refers to Chinese. But the point here is that you need to talk to them from that standpoint. They were black people who acknowledge the God of the Bible. We have um, Ebed Melech in Jer- um, Jeremiah chapter 37 and 38. When Jeremiah was put in Dundin and left to die, he went to the king and begged for Jeremiah, and which was dangerous for him to do. He was an Ethiopian, and the Lord the, the king gave him permission and he went and he pulled Jeremiah actually let me give the passage Jeremiah chapter 38 verse 7 to 13 and he took up took Jeremiah from out of the dungeon and then God made a promise to him in chapter 39 verse 15 to 18 of Jeremiah if you want to read that passage because I feel it's very important Jeremiah 39 verse 15 to 18 because of what he did God made a promise to him. 39 verses 15 to 18 says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to to Ebed-Melech, thank you, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon the city for evil, and not for good, and they shall be accom- they shall be accomplished in that day before thee. But I will deliver thee in that day, saith the Lord, and thou shalt not be given into the hand of the men of whom thou art afraid. Verse eighteen. Yes. For I will surely deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword, but thy life shall be for a prey unto thee. Because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. You know that? He's an Ethiopian, and God says, this is what he's going to do because he trusted the Lord. Then, also the queen of Sheba that they like to use. Jesus said the queen of Sheba will rise up in judgment against the Jews who rejected him because she believed the word of Solomon and trusted. The Bible says in in First Kings 10 that she believed all that Solomon said and she trusted the Lord. She was from Sheba. She got saved. You have Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian. He was reading Isaiah chapter 53. He didn't understand it. He was genuine. He was coming from Jerusalem, a religious service, but he wasn't saved and he was seeking the truth. God sent Philip to talk to him. And Philip heard him reading from Isaiah and said, "What?" And he said, "Somebody need to explain." And the Bible says Philip preached to him Jesus, and he got saved, got baptized, and God took Philip away. And he went back to Ethiopia, and the Bible, um, history is repeated that Ethiopia, most of the church fathers, Augustine, Ambrose, Tertullian, these were all from Africa. Church fathers. And I can't remember the passage, but there's one that talks about Niger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Acts chapter 13. Yeah. And 
the Bible says he was black. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was like somebody say black because he's so black. And he was one of the leaders in the first Gentile church at Antioch. And you have many others who so if you can talk to them from that standpoint and show them that Christianity is not really a right man religion. Throughout the Bible you find people from the Hamites, which is the black. I believe in the true God of the Bible and trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. I noticed when you were talking about Philip, you were put emphasis on the fact that he preached Jesus. Jesus. That's what the scripture says. Well, why the emphasis there? Uh, do Rastafarians believe in Jesus Christ? And what is their view of Jesus Christ? Well, there is a group from Big Creek. Okay. They strongly talk about Jesus Christ as the Savior. And this is opposite to what maybe the group of Frank I then believe. <laughs> so there's a day they believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. I don't know to how ex how much it affects their lives, mm -hmm. but they acknowledge him as Savior. <laughs> so but the Bible says Jesus is the only name that whereby anybody can be saved. Traditionally yeah. what are, do you understand the Rastafarians to believe uh, would they accept Jesus Christ? I know you referenced it Haley Selassie was supposed to be a reincarnation mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. They believe in Haley Selassie, but not Jesus Christ, because they think that Jesus Christ, as is portrayed in the Bible, is a white man. And how can a white man who his people don't press people is going to um, uplift people? Mm -hmm. So you have to be a black man who is going to lift up his own people out of the oppression that they're in. But the Bible tells us, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are there any other words of wisdom or approaches that you would take when witnessing to a Rastafarian? I think it's very important that you listen. Okay. Listen to them. And 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 go from that angle, because you know sometimes as Christians we think that we have this approach. Um, if you were to die today, and you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, you have to listen and 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 lead the conversation, but you have to have a biblical knowledge. Yeah, you have to know what the Bible teaches, so that when you listen, you'll be able to use. As I said, one of the first approach to establish: Do you believe the Bible? If they don't believe the Bible, you don't have no ground okay. to communicate with them. So you try to establish that. And always, when you say you believe the Bible, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. That's the one of the approach you have to take. From times that I have witnessed to a Rasta man, and I have attempted to listen, I've... I get confused. I get lost <laughs> Easily with all of the different directions <laughs> that he's going. Any words of advice or wisdom? Is there a balance to be had in yeah, keeping yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, you, you can't let You can't let him loose. Okay. You know, you can't let him go too far. You need to attack a statement at him early in the conversation. Mm -hmm. You have to try and be in control. Yeah. Otherwise, he's going to have a lot of jumble but and challenge from Scripture. But always, always from Scripture. Always approach him, attack him from scriptural standpoint. Because that's the basis in which you're having a conversation with him. If he agreed, that's the basis. And there's nothing wrong sometimes in sharing your personal testimony. testimony yes. How yes. the Lord saved you. Mm -hmm. And so he can do the same 
for that person you might be talking to. Yes, that's another good approach, your personal testimony. You're listening to That's Truth. We have 10 minutes left in the program. If you have a question, please go ahead and send it in so that Pastor Martin and Brother Erskine can answer it from a biblical perspective. And the number for calling in is 268-462-7420. The number to WhatsApp or text your question to is 268 268- Seven eight two one four five four. For the Rasta that is listening, what words of encouragement? What would you like to share with him? Well, for me, the Bible said, "Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish." We have to repent, and that is turn from our sins because we were all born in sin. And so you could do all the good works, you could live, try to live a holy, a clean life, don't eat pork, all these things. If you don't repent, you shall perish. And so I would strongly advise any rester you need to repent, turn from your sins, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible said, But to as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that is the most important thing, is to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Because that is what... Um, Christianity is all about. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you have to be born again, as he told Nicodemus, who was a very religious man. And he knew all the Old Testament laws and everything. But he did not know how to be born again until the Lord Jesus Christ explained to him, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. I think um, another thing I would add here, just be honest. If you're really seeking for the truth, just be honest. There are a lot of examples. We have Cornelius. We have Saul, who became Paul. It was Paul said, look, he was honestly seeking to the, for the truth. Out of ignorance, he did what he did. And our own personal example, we were honestly seeking the truth. But if you just want to have an argument or you just want to um, prove that your religion is right, um, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you have an open heart and you're honest, God is going to show you the truth. What can the church be doing better? What can Christians be doing better to better reach Rastas? I think you're not supposed to be hostile to them. You know, and look on them as, you know, maybe inferior or whatever. They are human beings just like all of us. And as I mentioned before, try to be friendly to to them. Talk to them. Ask them about their, their religion and so on so you can discuss and so about the Bible and 
when you have that kind of a relationship, you know, you can talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, always remind, invite them to church. And some Rasta is glad to come to church. Mm-hmm. And when they come to church, welcome them just like you would welcome anybody else. Mm. Because there are some people Rasta come to your congregation and they don't study them or anything like that. Uh, Rasta come to church today, wonder what he's coming here for. But just see them as somebody who probably seeking the truth and, and reach out to them. Can you think? Yeah, I think I think those are some of the the things. If you, I think for the Christian, you really need to live the life that you claim to have. I think there are a lot of hypocrisy among us, and Rasta can see that. You know, so if you live what you claim to believe, you'll be able to have a better impact with your witness to a Rasta that you're targeting. Does anything come to your mind that we as Christians should never say to Arasta? That it's just an immediate turnoff that closes that door that very well the Holy Spirit may have been opening in their heart for us to witness to them? I don't know. Maybe just being hostile. Okay. You know, and being critical instead of trying to develop a normal conversation. You're condemning, be judgmental. You know, those are some of the things that I think can really turn off um, anyone, uh, let alone a raster. And as Brother Erskine said, be friendly, you know. But if you're hostile, if you're argumentative, that's not going to really help. How does one become a Rasta? I know they're not centralized, but is there any kind of membership rights or anything, or how does that work? <laughs> I'm not too sure with the two Nyabingi House and the other uh, Rasta Freeman Foundation. I don't know if they have an organized system of membership, but from all indication, it seems like you just hang around the group. You, you, I, I, well, for me, as Brother Erskine had mentioned, you started with the music, then the smoking, then the jetlocks, then start to live. You know, I don't think there is any. I have not ever heard. I have never heard about any rules or regulation. You know, within a church setting, you made a profession of Jesus Christ, and you're baptized to identify yourself with Him. Then you become a member of that church. I don't know if they have any system like that. Does a Rasta pray, and to who? Well, <laughs> it's always pray to Jah. <laughs> Again, Jah for them is El Selassie. question that has come in, should a Christian engage in listening to reggae music, also known as conscious, conscious music? Since that's so closely associated with the Rasta movement, what are your thoughts, Pastor? Bob Marley clearly said that his music is his message. It's a message he's putting across. And if you listen to certain messages, the whole purpose is for you to believe, to guide you into what they are promoting. So for a Christian, I don't think it would be helpful for a Christian 
to just listen to music, the reggae music, for listen's sake. You know, sometimes you may listen to a song because you want to understand what it is being said, but to sit down and listen to reggae music, a steady diet, steady diet, and that was the one who got me into Rasta, the music. Mm. Music is a powerful vehicle, and people fail to realize that. P- music people use music to control the crowd. Yeah. It's very clear the Rasta man's message is spread rapidly around this world because of the music. Anything to add, Brother Erskine? Nothing uh, really, but um, as Pastor Martin said, that was the vehicle, especially Bob Marley. That's what he used, and so the music was spread all around the world, and people buy into it and so white men black men everybody arrests us today what about wearing clothing that represents the rastafarian movement uh, maybe the marijuana leaf maybe the colors uh, a bob marley t-shirt what are your thoughts is that is it ever appropriate for a born again believer to support that as i say when i got saved first most of my clothes were big and some of them have on Bob Marley or a leaf, a herb leaf or something. But the Lord dealt with me personally because people fail to realize certain symbols, certain things carry a message. And even though I claimed to be saved, I was still promoting what I got saved out of. So, to to just like... Uh, Ice cold and green, a Rastafari, and have uh, in a hat or other stuff like that. If that's your dressing, you know, I think you're 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 sending mixed mixed signal. You know, I know there is no Christian clothes, yeah. <laughs> or Rasta clothes, but you have to be careful with the message you're sending. So it's more for appearance. Yeah, appearance. The Bible says, "Shun their very appearance." You know, they want to give the impression. What about the colors in closing, Brother Erskine or Pastor? What's the significance of the colors? Do they get that from Scripture? No, it's from the flag, the Ethiopian flag. Okay. Red symbolizes the blood of black people suffering. The green uh, it symbolizes the greenery of Africa, the vegetation, and... The goal symbolizes the wealth of the African nation. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for coming in. Pastor, whether an individual is Rastafarian or whether they are just not a Christian, not a believer in Jesus Christ, do you have a verse or a thought to how do men get reconciled with God? Um, The Bible clearly says that and neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven, whereby we must be saved. Um, but Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh under the Father but by me. You have to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Thank you, gentlemen, very much for coming in. Thank you for joining us, whether it was listening on AM, FM, or watching on Facebook Live. We enjoyed your interaction, and thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth.
Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.